to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? It's been a good week. What about you? You know, it's been good. Um, my football team didn't lose. Oh, God. The Thunder have been really good. Nine, uh, what, nine of their last 11 they've won? Yeah. They lost to Philly last night and kind of a close game. Who knows how that happened, because Philly should have ran them out of the water, but... Uh, it's been good. That's good. How are you recovering after the Patriots losing? I, I mean, I talked about it on the pod, and I know we've talked about it off air. Like, I didn't feel great about that team. So, man, that sucks. But at the same time, I'll go out there and play receiver for Tom Brady if he needs it, because <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> You've essentially had two decades of just dominance, and we've talked about that before on this podcast. Like, who's and then, winning the AFC East? It's not Patriots. even a question. It's not even a question. Yeah. And then we saw Derrick Henry run all over the state of Massachusetts. And uh, we we couldn't get off the field. So yeah. that, that sucked. Nor nor could a receiver get open. Yeah. That, that That's a thing. That's an important thing to have on your team. Especially with a, what, 42-year-old quarterback? Anyways, we're not talking about football this week, Matt. We talked about football in episode 59. We updated some of our predictions... Uh, and we talked about all of the shenanigans that happened, both college football and the NFL. And we made some bold predictions for the playoffs in the NFL, and it was not pretty last weekend <laughs> at all. That that Saints pick is looking less good, yeah, I, to say the least. <laughs> like, I just, I'm out on the New Orleans Saints. Next time this year when we're hyped about the New Orleans Saints, just remind me, everyone. <laughs> Tweet at me. Don't buy into it. Just at Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> just every time. <laughs> if Kirk Cousins beats you at home, like you just you're disqualified from Super Bowl contention. <laughs> like for the next decade, I think. So Drew Brees, if you're listening, retire. Yeah, essentially you have to now. It's unfortunate. Sorry to end your career that way. Uh, Matt, we're like I said, we're talking about the NBA. What happened in the NBA this past week? So just a, a, a few highlights here. So Anthony Davis um, became extension eligible, um, but obviously he turned that down. Um, it was looking at a four-year extension in the $140 million range. If he waits, turns down his player option, he'll be more in line for a five-year $200-plus million contract. So of course it makes sense to turn it down. So really shouldn't be a, a cause for alarm there. Um, but just for the sake of the note, he, he did turn that down. A uh, couple smaller no, uh, notes here. The Warriors, they released Marquise Chris, who wasn't playing terribly for them, actually. Like, dude actually looks like he belongs in the NBA um, because they're signing Damian Lee off a of two-way. Um, again, a nice little player there. Warriors kind of become a scrappy, spicy team. Not totally out of it, fine for that eighth spot because God knows any team in the West right now can make that eighth spot. Um, for the Detroit Pistons, Blake Griffin has had knee surgery he was contemplating whether to have it or not whether to put it off and is now out indefinitely after electing to have that surgery so if things already weren't going well for detroit it's going to get a whole lot worse and we'll talk about that more positive note zion williamson is nearing uh game readiness starting some five on five work uh, officially with the pelicans he said he he was looking to be back a couple weeks ago obviously new orleans taking it slow though again not totally out of that eight spot by any stretch of the imagination 
Um, if they're looking to make the playoffs and, and get waxed by the Lakers, then <laughs> get Zion back in there and uh, and playing ASAP. Um, they have a national televised game for Martin Luther King um, at Memphis, so that that has been a, a rumored return date for him. I I don't feel like they will feel the need to play him just because it's nationally televised. But at the same time, you know, if if he says he's ready, let's get him out there. And last but certainly not least, was the Kevin Love saga in uh, Cleveland over the past week or so. Getting into it with uh, his GM, Kobe Altman, um, and Altman threatening to find him, and and ultimately finding him. Um, and he says, I don't care. I'm rich. Um, just a big baller line there. Um, having a temper tantrum on the bench in Toronto. Um just chucking the ball at Jetty Osman. Um, that was amazing. Like mid Thunder game. Like, <laughs> it, like the, I forgot who was playing point at the time. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton. He is just pounding the rock at the top and like calling for a screen. Calling for a screen. Kevin Love's not coming. He Ke- just well, like, it's not necessarily what's coming. Kevin Love like walked away like to the <laughs> opposite <laughs> block. Yeah, and then he like kind of power walks towards them. Colin Sexton passes them the ball, and he just like fires this ball at the ankles of jetty Osman. <laughs> he just like wants to turn it over but he doesn't want to blatantly do it just chuck it into like the like second bowl yeah. of the arena and and jetty Osman somehow um got a got a foul call on that three-point attempt which is but, just garbage like the ref should have <laughs> just like walked away from that sequence. uh just like put your head down like yeah. walk away like you just saw someone from high school in the mall and you're trying to avoid them um but yeah, just incredible by Kevin Love. Um, and, you know, he went on and apologized. You know, a couple of days later, said it was childish, and it's like, yeah, it was. But it's coming from the place of you're probably justified in being upset with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But at the same time, you might just be mad at yourself for buying what Colby Altman sold you, which was, yeah, this team's rebuilding, and like, it, you know, we're gonna be a playoff team because it's the East, and they are um, not. <laughs> like this whole experiment I don't know when or why the draft strategy changed but you drafted Colin Sexton and then you proceed to draft like oh, three guards in the yeah. next draft Darius Garland, Dylan Windler and Kevin Porter Jr. literally all like ones and twos like wh- what are we doing here and like Kevin Love I think has every right to be outraged at this at the same time, maybe just don't sign an extension with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Say, right? I will take less money to not be here. Like, go do some more chocolate milk commercials somewhere. <laughs> and, like, you can make up that money. Yeah. I, I just... it. This is, like, again, like, player movement in the NBA is an all-time high. I think this is just going to be another case in that group of, like, I'll sign the big contract and worry about where I'm playing later. Yeah, and ultimately this one's, you know, just mega backfiring. But like you said, like, players more and more are like, I will take less money if I get to go to where I want to go, um, such as, like, Kawhi, LeBron, and stuff. But Kevin Love, you know, probably didn't feel that same level of security, but it's like, dude still probably would have got, instead of a 4 for 120, dude still probably would have got, like, a 4 for 90 somewhere, which right. is still 20-plus million a year, like, it would have been fine. Like if Al Horford could get what th- he got, what three, like, four for ninety, 
I mean, it may have even been just over a hundred. It was close like, to a hundred with all the incentives. Like that's just the thing. Like Kevin Love could have got that too. Yeah. Um. So that's just the the idea. There is like, you know, you probably rush yourself into it. You probably just saw the big big dollar signs. Took it. Makes sense. Obviously, Cleveland has not built the team the way they need to be built. But at the same time, that's kind of what you signed up for. Whether that's what the GM was telling you or not, you got to be smart enough to realize it. Because that team was trash at the time, and it's just as bad now. Uh, two years later, it's still just a train wreck. Surprise, the one guy who's kept that organization together, LeBron James. Not is, there. Is not there. Um, so we're going to dive into our big topic. We only have one topic today. Uh, for episode 60, and that's panic button teams. We're about approaching halfway, halfway the season, and at this point, we kind of know the playoff teams for the most part. We have an idea of the playoff picture. And, like, some of these teams are in the playoff hunt, and certainly, um, but there's different levels of panic for different teams right now. Yeah, definitely. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. Let's talk about our first team, though. The Portland Trailblazers. Oof. This has been just like a disaster of a season for them. You make the Western Conference Finals off an amazing run from Dame and CJ. And maybe what you're thinking is, we're only one piece away. Except you blow up, you get rid of all your wings on your team. Yeah. And say, all right, Rodney Hood, carry us to a championship. And it's like, what are we doing? And then yeah. you bring in Carmelo. They're 15 and 22 right now. Um, in the hunt for the eight. And only, I, only two games behind the Spurs. I don't know if they're how much longer in the hunt is going to be in the phrase of Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Because Carmelo came in, and let's be honest, like he had a couple of really nice weeks. And like one player of the week and like he, he was having some highlights vintage mellow and like it looked cool like the nba nostalgia was definitely there and for for all intents and purposes like should have been like that that was a really cool thing to see but now it's like we're realizing just how much this team actually needs carmelo anthony and we we've seen what happens when a team needs carmelo anthony um cc houston rockets cc new york Knicks. um not, oh yeah and oklahoma city almost forgot about them too um doesn't work yeah. it just doesn't work anymore it hasn't worked for five years and yeah it was neat for like two weeks and now it's right back to what it was um playing 32 minutes a game is carmelo anthony like what if you would have said at the beginning of the season he was out of the league at the beginning of the season and now you're saying yeah come play 32 minutes a game for, for us that like you need every single one of those minutes from a carmelo yeah. And and they truly do, and that's that's the ultimate bottom line problem is that they actually need him to play every single minute, if honestly not more, because otherwise who are you turning to at the three four spot for this team? Like you're either going super small with like Anthony Simons or something, or you're playing dudes like Mario Hazonia, and we we know that doesn't work either. <laughs> so it's like there there's really no great choice for Portland when he's not in the game. Not that he's a great choice on the court. But he's a less bad choice. He's the best of the worst. Yeah, he is. Um, and, like, Portland has definitely kind of pigeonholed themselves into the situation. Like, they, when's the last time they drafted a wing who was of they, consequence? They just don't. Like, they, they don't draft second-round picks. Like, they basically refuse to do it. They have Gary Trent Jr. on the roster. Don't play him. Like, he 
if Neil Olshay could have it his way, like the second round wouldn't exist. <laughs> so like they don't care about that. So there's no like upside plays there. In terms of the first round, they hardly ever have a pick. It's just period. And when they do, it's either small guards or seven footers that they're like, oh, I think you could play power forward. <laughs> like, that's it. That, that's literally their draft strategy. It has been for six years now. Yeah, it's kind of mind-boggling how bad they've been and, like, how long they've... I think it speaks to really Dame and CJ at how they've been able to keep this franchise essentially afloat. Truly amazing work. Like, it, it speaks to... kind of speaks to their greatness because, like, they've... Their sporting cast has been kind of a laughing stock for the most of the uh, most of the, the their run together, and it's just been insanely bad. There's been a lot of trade rumors about maybe going and getting Kevin Love, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the thought process of like we need talent. We need to stop just saying Dame, CJ, and whoever else we can throw on the court. I love that the Blazers are kind of starting to shift that realizing like they need somebody else there or somebody's else but like i don't know if kevin loves that dude it doesn't fix the wing issue like it just doesn't like okay so let's say like you get kevin love so then your lineup when fully healthy noose of noose of nurkic if he's even on the team anymore after that trade yeah but uh nurkic dame love cj and whatever th- whatever wing you can piece together, let's for the rest of the season it could be Carmelo. I mean, they're probably going to play like Nasir Little, who they drafted this year, and is clearly not NBA ready. So, like, just like how is that going to fix your problem? Kevin Love doesn't play defense; he doesn't help no. that. They're like efficient in terms of efficiency and like offensive and like overall defensive rate, uh, efficiency. Like they're around teams who aren't even close to the playoffs. Yeah. And and it really does, like, those advanced stats, like, they're not everything, but they definitely are telling of this team, I would say. Something interesting that they could do if they want to do Kevin Love, because they don't have, like, I don't think they can just do Kevin Love for Hassan Whiteside straight up. Yeah. Like, they would obviously have to attach stuff to Whiteside. But, and I just don't think they have the assets really to do that, nor they really want to. But if you packaged Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson... That's about $47 million going out of Cleveland. And then you do um, Whiteside plus Nurkic. That's 39 You know, add on, you know, just a, a bench guy, Anthony Tolliver or something like that. Plus a, a young guy, whether it's Little, because Simons, why would Cleveland need Simons? They already right. have Garland and Sexton. Because um, a little is like an interesting prospect yeah. um, on on the wing forward um, spot that makes the money work. You can do something like that. It's a massive overhaul. Um, Tristan Thompson isn't guaranteed to stay past this year, but Kevin Love's locked up for for a few more. You could you know bring back Thompson though um, on probably a pretty good deal because you showed him that like you want him and stuff. That's probably the only way like they get something like that done. Unless they're just willing to attach draft assets. Which, at the same time, Neil Olshay might be like, fine. But at the same time, right now, this draft pick of theirs is like, end the lottery. So that's a good pick to be given up for Kevin Love. <laughs> if not multiple picks. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, maybe you can land on something like a protected pick 
that maybe down the road turns into a, another first where you feel like you're going to be better in a better year. Just but, send it way down the line, like yeah. 2025 or something. Like kick the can way down the road. I just, like, even if Nurkic is healthy, and I've said this to you, like it might help a little. But it still doesn't fix, like, the overall issue. Like, they're just at a... There may be three wins better right now if Nurkic is playing. Like, they're just at a talent, like, disadvantage. Like, that's what it is. Their bench is trash. Absolute trash. It has been that way for years, though. Yeah. And, like, the thing that has saved them is the way they play defense and play team basketball. Yeah. And, like, that's not the case this year because they traded those guys away. They just don't have the dudes to do the system anymore. Like, as much as... Aminu and Harkless got crapped on for missing every single three in the playoffs, which they did. They also executed the defensive scheme, at least spaced the floor enough where teams still respected him enough, like to give Dame and CJ those driving lanes. Like if Carmel is posting up in the you know middle of like the two point range, like there's no space. Right. There's just not the space with this team. There's no space coming out of the three spot right now. There's just no way for Damon CJ to truly do what they need to do. The center position's just working even less with Whiteside just because like the passing element's not even there anymore. That Nurkic did bring what he does have. So like they're just locked right now with this roster. Like this is the max of what this roster can be. Damon CJ are great players, but there's a lot of great players in the NBA. You can only get crap so far. Yeah, and it's too bad because I really like Dame and I just wish that he was in a better situation with a more competent GM. Like I, like I, that's a harsh way to say it, but like if he really just had better management, like this would be a different situation. It just would be. Yeah. Like switch Steph Curry and Dame. Like are the Warriors winning any less championships? Probably not. Probably not. And then would Steph have had Dame's level of success? Maybe a little more, but not like terribly, terribly much more because it's still a bad team. Yeah. It's like, I just, I don't know. It's just jaw dropping to me that, that this team is just so poorly mismanaged. That's what it really comes yeah. down to. They've, they've been just complacent on their stars, what two they've had for years. And it's finally just come to fruition that you, you played your hand too, uh, too safe. Yeah. And and this is what you get. Yeah. If you're not going up in the NBA, you're going down. Yep. If you're not making moves, you're staying still, Matt. That's what it is. Uh, on to our next team. And this is a different level of panic. Because the team has a winning record. They have a really good record. But they are middle to bottom of the East. The Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. 24 and 14. Which sounds amazing. Portland would, you know, murder Carmelo Anthony tomorrow if they could have that record. <laughs> Sacrifice Carmelo mm-hmm. at the NBA or at the NBA slash basketball gods altar <laughs> to get that record. You the know, issue is that they're in a in a conference with the Milwaukee Bucks who are thirty two and six, the Boston Celtics who are yeah, twenty five and nine, yeah. the Miami Heat who apparently have lapped and caught up to the Philadelphia Sixers, seventy sixers, at twenty six and ten, and then the lack what we thought would be the lackluster Toronto Raptors at twenty four and twelve, and they've been injured this year with all of the injuries. 
and yeah, still somehow they've been able to get enough guys healthy, just sporadically piece together wins, and here then set the 76ers, a just inconsistent team. I I would I want to say a spicy take right now, but okay. I'm gonna save it for off air because I don't want to I don't want to hurt myself later. <laughs> um, yeah, the big part of this is like Joel Embiid has been unhappy, injured, whatever you want to phrase it as. Joel Embiid is he has a finger injury now. <laughs> like his finger was all Gosh. Mi- misshaped last night, yeah. the other night, and like. This team just doesn't work. Like, like, okay, if we just focus on the Joel Embiid bit. Yeah. Dude's hurt all the time. Yeah. Like, hurt, fatigued, whatever. He is not able to be on the basketball court as much as you want him to be on the basketball court. Whether that's game to game, minute to minute, he's just not able to do what you fully need him to do. Even within a game, even if it's one of the games you're like, man, we need our star to play like 38 minutes tonight to win this really important game. Joel Embiid ain't playing 38 minutes a game. He's not. He, he in, just can't do it. He's not in shape. Like, he hasn't been in shape for, what, the four solid seasons he's been able to play? Part of that's how he's seven foot two and just an incredibly huge, like, human being. But at the same time, you see us crap on Nikola Jokic all the time. And oh, Embiid doesn't look quite that bad. But, like, it, it's not great. It's not young Shaq. And Embiid's young. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, he's like 25, 26? Like, he should Probably be... Probably not even that. Come, I don't know, let me look. He should be coming into his prime, and it it just looks like a different Joel Embiid. Like, he's not having fun on the court, it looks like. It's like a struggle for... It feels like a, it's sometimes a struggle to get him going, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Chuck and Shaq had to challenge him the other night on TNT... To get him to play well against the Boston Celtics. Said the exact same things Philly media says. Yeah. And he finally listened. Had it like a game or two just incredible, like just dominant performances, and then went right back to doing what he did before. It's like once the spotlight's off of him, like he's not interested in playing. And I don't know if it's the situation he's in, like if it's Brett Brown, if it's Ben Simmons shooting the ball, which Joel Embiid has made comments about. Yeah. Out in public. Like, those things have been said to reporters. Brett Brown said things about his jump shot. Like, everyone's saying something, and, like, nothing's changing. It's just not. Like, what? what's his, like, seriously, like, I would love to hear his reasons for hesitancy at this point. It's like, they're open. That can't be the reason. And, like, I get you're a great driver, but, like, you know what will make you an even better driver is if guys start stepping out on you at the three-point line and then you just blow by them instead of having to try and truck people and then throw a wild, crazy pass to Tobias Harris out in the corner because there's four dudes collapsing on you. Like, go watch Russell Westbrook early on in his career. Like, he's not a great shooter, but he's still shot. Yeah, and I, I like a respectable percentage. It's gotten worse, um, but at the same time, like, it was respectable enough. Whereas, like, Ben Simmons, like, literally just doesn't even take it. He's taking, like, two all year. Two? Like, against bad that's teams. That's incredible. Yeah, one against Cleveland and one against the Knicks. Do it against, like, an important team yeah. in an important situation just once. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to, like, realize, like, he just truly doesn't do it. 
Like it's literally like how you see like centers doing it on like practice videos and they're like, oh, they could do it in a game. And like Derek Favors steps out to do it and you're like, please do not do that again. <laughs> but like Ben Simmons, like now yeah, he's only taking two, but he's made them both. So like, like, okay, can, can you do this more? Like Brett Brown even said, you know, like a month or two ago, like, I think he could be taking one a game. And then uh, like someone brought it up the other day and he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Cause he should be taking one a game though. Like that's no, not, that's you're not, not wrong. Like it w- so okay, so you take one and you miss a corner three. It's not the end of the world. The, it's Joel one Embiid possession. Is, Joel Embiid's taking like long threes from the top of the key. Yeah. Like let's stop that and trade that for a Ben Simmons corner three. Just, just one. Just one of them. Just one. Yeah. And that would not kill this team at all. Like no one would be like upset. No player on that team would probably be like, "Hey, you should pass me the ball," even though there was no one within twenty-eight feet of you. Like no one would care. Just take the shot. I, like just do it and it's like we want to talk about how markel Fultz is like mentally weak ben simmons is mentally weaker than Ooh. how Fultz was in philly because like at least Fultz was out there trying man <laughs> got roasted but i was out there trying you went for the throat on that one sneakily having a good year markel Fultz. yeah he is I went for 25 the other night like kind of helping orlando like secure a playoff spot over there in the east yeah, it's like you don't give up on your number one pick two years into the experiment. Huh, crazy. It's nuts. I just love taking shots at Philly, honestly. <laughs> um, and I think this this is my this may be our last point on them. But like, they've never they had this answered last year with Jimmy Butler. But who's taking the last shot? Like seriously, yeah. you're down three. You need a bucket you against can- whoever. Who's who's taking the shot i can tell you who's inbounding the ball but that doesn't matter yeah it's to the point that like you paid tobias harris like a guy who should be taking that shot but at this point by no means does this team like you just give the ball to tobias harris on the wing and say like hey go do your thing that's not what this team does it's not what tobias harris really truly should be doing either because one he's overpaid and two like his his game is probably best suited for catch and shoot catch and attack a closeout, and then, you know, in the occasional moments, then go ISO. That's what I want from Tobias Harris. Take advantage of smaller guards that get lined up against him if he's playing the three or or whatever, but not not being, like, the guy. Yeah. He's never been the guy. Detroit didn't want him to be the guy. Uh, Orlando didn't want him to be the guy. The Clippers, when they were not as good as they are now, did not want him to be the guy. Why would Philly, now with the expectations they have, want him to be the guy? Like, it doesn't make sense. He hasn't gotten that much better. It doesn't make sense. And, like, you're essentially saying Al Horford or Josh Richardson, maybe Tobias, take the last shot, I guess. Like, it's just mind-boggling. At Like, it's just, like, I don't understand the direction. Like, you took a big swing, and it just feels like it's fallen flat. And I, if I were a Philly fan, like, I don't feel great about this team contending. Well, I'm saying... It's it's to your point of in a one score game or a two score game, who's making the difference? And I just I don't know offensively if there's that guy because if you're down like you have to score. Yeah. There's just just not that dude for this team, and that's okay to admit it, but you got to do something about it. And you know we've heard the Al Horford rumblings like could he be out of there? He's not a hundred percent happy with like how it's going. Which again back to the Kevin Love point what did you think like you signed up for this like you just signed up for this in the summer like what was the elton brand's pitch to him like you're gonna play like the four 
Like, like you knew not, that. That's not what he wants to play. He wants to play the five. So that's my problem. Like you knew they were going huge with Tobias. They, you probably knew they weren't bringing back Jimmy. I don't remember the exact dates of like how it chronologically went down, but you probably knew Jimmy wasn't coming back if they were signing you. Cause that's where all their money was going. And then Ben Simmons was on this team. Like, and you watched Ben Simmons because you played him multiple times a year and shut him down. You helped defend him. Yeah. So you know he can't shoot. So, again, what did you sign up for? And are, can you really be mad at anybody else for, like, that actually coming to fruition? No. no. Like, this is, that's what you got into. It is what it is. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. I don't, again, I don't want to say Philadelphia is poorly managed because they've gotten some really good talent. It's just the, the like, fit of it all is just yeah. not great. Each move on its own isn't terrible. It's just, like, all in combination together. Collectively, it it's really bad. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our next team. You've got gotten me quite riled up about Minnesota. The, I have, uh, a, I have a headache. Me, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. The next team we're talking about is Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh, at yikes. 14 and 21. That is, yeah. Wow. And um, that's that, gone south. I would say, and that's a team, like, we thought had potential playoff aspirations. Like... Start off the year like okay, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Ryan Saunders got this team kind of playing fun basketball, and yeah, like these last you know ten games or so like have just been a dumpster fire. Like they're only four and six in their last ten, but it's because they've won two straight. Like <laughs> right, like that's what it's taken to get up to four and six in their last ten. Like this, this is going so poorly. Yeah, and like there's been rumblings about Cat wanting out. After he just signed the a extension. five-year extension with the Minnesota. So good luck getting out of that one. Yeah, um, oh no, they're not trading him for anything. No, like you're just not getting moved. And I don't think this team is bad around them. Like, like it shouldn't be this bad, should it? It's a different level of expectations than like Philly, of course. But like what the Minnesota Timberwolves have is a promising young player for sure in Jarrett Culver. Right, Andrew Wiggins again in spurts has shown like okay, there, there's the guy you you wanted. Um, it's kind of fallen back off, but you you see this the the positives. Robert Covington's again a nice basketball player. You see just a bunch of like good basketball players filling out their bench between Akoji, Layman. I'm not the biggest like Jeff Teague and Gorgie Dang guys, but it's partially because their salaries. They are on more reasonable deals. I would be fine with them on my team. Like. You have dudes, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, like, that can play basketball. Like, you have a bunch of NBA players on this team. Like, there's no reason they should be this bad aside from the stars not being able to, to rise up to what we need them to be. Yeah, and I, maybe it's just like Cat just stop. He just has stopped caring about this thing in general because he sees it's going really poorly. And like you said, there's not a the guy on your roster that you're like... <laughs> How is this guy playing minutes? This isn't yeah. like a Portland situation. No. And like they had some reasonable signings like Jake Lehman coming over from Portland. Good player. Yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Like, like bring in Nap- Napier because you, yeah. you knew he was a part of the Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell thing and the Warriors couldn't keep him. So you just poached him. Good idea. Yeah. Shabazz Napier is a good basketball player. Belongs in the NBA. Like just little things like that. You did a lot of smart things actually. You had a good offseason. You had a good draft. Yeah, I wonder if it's time for them to start looking at Robert Covington trades 
and just trying to get some sort of asset back for him. And There's maybe a ton have, of contenders who maybe, would love to have Robert coming. Maybe you tried to attach Andrew Wiggins sneakily to that deal. Yikes. And try to get off of him at the same time. Just call Portland. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want a wing? We got one for yeah. you. Yikes. Uh, who says no to Carmelo for Andrew Wiggins? Okay. Here. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, but, like, I, I don't know what to do with... I expected Minnesota to be better than Oklahoma City this year. Yeah. And I don't think that was a not reasonable expectation. I don't know. At this point, yeah, it's like they're not in the same class as the Thunder, the way the Thunder are playing right now. I was saying, like, there's a very clear divide between, like, what Minnesota is and, like, just, like, the top seven. Like, that's where it really splits off in the West is the Thunder are kind of like the seventh team. And then you get into the Spurs at eight, which it's not that they've particularly done anything right. They just haven't completely sucked lately um they're 15 and 20 at the time of this recording then you get to 15 and 22 memphis um 15 and 22 portland 14 21 minnesota 14 and 22 um phoenix 14 and 23 sacramento like you just see this big glob of teams then um that still right there for the eighth spot but like no one deserves it no one no one's good like that's the thing minnesota just shouldn't be in that class at least if they are, they should be at the top of it and be like, but the other teams have to beat us out yeah. for the eighth. And they're just not there. Yeah, and I feel bad for Ryan Saunders. He's kind of inherited this awful situation with this player chemistry. That's true. Uh, I just, I, I like him as a coach. I think he's a really smart guy. I just don't know what to do. It feels a lot like Portland, like this team's kind of locked into this roster. Mm-hmm. When, in terms of contracts and length and all a that A lot stuff. of money on the books this year. A good amount coming off, but I don't know who all you're trying to keep or for what price. <laughs> That's the thing, and it feels like we've talked about trying to move off of Andrew Wiggins, and like you seriously have to attach an asset to that. I mean, that's a... After this year, it's still three-year, $30 million per year. <sighs> like, again, you can probably sell some team on Andrew Wiggins' three-for-90 deal, but... You know, it's just at what cost. Like, you might have to attach an asset or you might not get as much back in return as you would like. So, I, I guess it's really just a matter of, of perspective. Is the Andrew Wiggins just, he he can't get out of his own way, just not worth it anymore? Like, do you finally come to that conclusion after his fifth year in the NBA or, or sixth year, whatever this is now? Because we, we might just be at that time. And say, like, look, you've had so many chances. Yeah. It's like, it, it's cool that you put up 24 points a game, but you need 21 shots per game to do it. <laughs> like, just, that's Russell Westbrook, like, inefficiency right yeah. there. Like, we're in that class of destructively, like, bad. It looks cool in a box score if you only look at, like, one half of the box score. But if you look to the left, all of a sudden you're like, oof, this is bad. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's just disappointing. I... What we thought this was, I, this team, this Minnesota team with this core beat the 73 win Golden State yeah. Warriors in Oracle. Like that, that was supposed to be the up and coming team in the NBA yeah. and they haven't been. They've just plateaued. They haven't even plateaued. They've regressed. Yeah. Because they just gave away Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They did give away Jimmy Butler for like nothing. But that's not the only team to have done that this past yeah, year. So, good point. Um, anything else on Minnesota before moving? No, on? I'm mad at them. Yeah, they're a disappointment. 
I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm, well, I'm a Jared Culver like guy. Like that was a guy I said like, oh, he's gonna be successful. And aside from like the Robin Lopez jam, um, he had the other day. Like he hasn't got to do much. He surprisingly looks just like an NBA player. Like he it, looks like a dude who he's just... relatively competent. And they're playing him at point guard, and he's not a point guard. <laughs> like he's a two three. That's what he played at Tech essentially. Yeah, though. it was. It was um, awesome. I don't know. He got that guy. They, he got that team to the national championship and almost won it for him. That's, that was insane. Um, moving on, next team, Detroit Pistons. Talk about a fun. That's a team that's not fun to talk about. God, this team is. I don't even know. Detroit. It, it just exists. Like it's they so do. sad. They're up there in northern Michigan, and it's like, oh yeah. You the only time you think about them is when they come across the ticker at the bottom of ESPN with another loss that, that's it <laughs> uh, god just going right for the throat again ryan, ryan choking on the blue power rate over here um, it, oh my god um but it's true though right like, like not, not the, once this year how i thought like you know I, I need to catch a pistons game no <laughs> like who says that i think i tried to watch a pistons wizards game once <laughs> and i couldn't make it through the first quarter <laughs> I was like, this is atrocious. Oh my god. I can't do this. You try to tune in for like Bradley Beal. And- I tried to tune in to watch both teams and I was like, no, I got better things to do with my time. <laughs> I'm gonna go stab my eyeballs out. I think I went and cleaned. Like that was <laughs> did the, laundry. That, that was the alternative. It was like I'm gonna watch this basketball game or I'm gonna clean. And I ended up cleaning. That speaks to how bad Detroit yeah. is. And and we mentioned at the top the Blake Griffin injury. He's electing to have surgery. So the the minuscule amounts of fun that could be associated with this team are basically thrown out the window. Yeah. So now all, all you're doing if you're watching a Pistons game is watching Drummond put up like 16 and 16 on play terrible post defense because he <laughs> doesn't know how to defend the basket even though he's like seven foot two eighty and he can't stop anybody inside. Reggie Jackson dribble the ball into oblivion. Derrick Rose, like, try and look like himself, but, like, the knees just give. Luke Kennard, like, you're like, hey, he hit a three, and then he doesn't get a touch for, like, three quarters, right? Like, you see, like, Seiko Demboye, like, dunk all over Tristan Thompson. That's cool. And then, but, like, he still looks like he doesn't fully know what he's doing on a basketball court, though. There's just not a ton to, like, look forward to with this team. It's not just that they're bad. It's, like, they're bad with no direction. Whew. Man, that was, I mean, you hit it the nail on the head there i hate detroit for (laughs) for no other reason than the fact that they've i mean we've talked about mismanagement with some of these teams this is like one of the ultimate cases of mismanagement haven't loved their drafts recently although canards turned out okay he was like what a top five pick no he was lottery but like he was in like the donovan mitchell range the sga range and like we you said no like right like these like you were around dudes like you you could have gotten that were much better so like you you need to be if you're gonna be drafting in the 12s then you need to like be hitting on more than luke Kennard, like consistently second and boy i like him but like you already had griffin and drummond what are you doing like what what's the idea here you have no other like young guys to look forward to like thon mccurr does not count um <laughs> he just doesn't and like just like the shell of Blake Griffin and the hype of Andre Drummond that's not actually real. I think that's the saddest thing about this team is that Blake Griffin was so good last year. He was. Like the offensive moves he had. 
he was just incredible. And, like, he expanded his game. Quietly one of the best seasons. He was shooting really efficiently from three. Yeah. And just doing everything this team needed. And then he gets injured towards the end of the season. And they have this insane idea that they need to make the playoffs. And they make the the playoffs. And then they get bounced in four games. Yeah. By the Blake Griffin's like mummified in ice bags on the bench. And he played two two games in the playoffs. Okay, cool. You got to see Giannis just hose your team on national television. Yeah, was it worth it? No. No, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't. You should have gotten a better draft pick. You could have easily got up into like 8 to 10 range. But you chose not to. And, And this is what you get for that. This is literally what you get for signing bad contracts over the last few years, not treating the draft well, and then not developing anything like with it. And this is what it gets you. It just gets you stuck in the middle with like a bunch of money committed to a bunch of nobodies. Oh, right. Like Langston Galloway's making seven million. Like, what are we? What are we doing here? Tony Snell's making eleven million. Oof. What are we doing here? Reggie Dr- or uh, Reggie Jackson, eighteen million. God. Andre Drummond, twenty-seven million. Like it's. Like every guy is overpaid by like ten million dollars. Like, like that, that's Andre just Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis are making the same amount this year. Yeah, like, like essentially. Like Andre Drummond, like I don't know if he's gonna pick up that player option next year for twenty eight and a half, um, because he wants a long term deal, which I get, but like if Clint Capella is getting less than twenty million a year, there's no way that Andre Drummond's getting twenty million a year. There's just no no chance of it. No. And like this is the thing with Detroit is like I, like, what do you do? Like, this is not, this is like a whole decade rebuild. This is not yeah. just like a, like a soft reboot. Like, this is like, like a, a six year thing. This is like most of the decade, like they need to go and trust the process mode and just nuke their whole roster and just get as many assets as they can. They don't even get to be competitive. Like they don't no. get to be competitive no. and fun. They just have to suck. Like, that's they what do. it comes down to. They probably do. That's probably the best option. I know part of all this is, and it's almost stupid to say it, but, like, they're opening the new, the new arena, right? Like, they, they were opening up the new place, and they needed headlines. They needed guys. They needed to fill it, which I get the idea of that, Blake Griffin, in theory, Andre Drummond. But, like, like it, it doesn't matter if the team is good for one year and then sucks for the next 15. Like, why not just say like, hey, we're we're not quite there for the first couple, but like, build this fan base with like the hope of it, and then in three or four years, be like, okay, now we're ready. This if they keep on the path they're going, like they're gonna be in just complete irrelevancy for the next ten years. This team's gonna be in Seattle in the like, next fifteen yeah. years if that's the direction. Hey, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing then. <laughs> That's all of a sudden a huge Detroit Pistons. There we go. I take back everything I said. So moving on from the Detroit Pistons, because I think Matt is just like, his headache has just gotten 10 times worse. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets. uh, This one's hilarious to me, so I'm fine with this. How deep do you want to dive into Brooklyn Nets? Because you went at the Detroit Pistons. I did. I won't won't have my monologue this time. Um, (laughs) But like, the, the really the one thing I need to say on the Nets, though, is... This Kyrie injury, if if he was on the Knicks, this would be like main news. This would every be single day. ESPN like every night, wouldn't it? And this is just like quietly just slipped away. The fact that like Kyrie's not playing, that like the quotes are terribly disturbing, and like the Nets are just bad with him and bad without him. 
like this is we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the year with this team in that like they tr- they lost all of their guys who were a plus for them last year and I, you replaced yeah. them with DeAndre Jordan yeah <laughs> like that was your like, solution and I know great. you got Kyrie Irving and you got Kevin Durant but it just feels like I like we don't know what Durant is gonna be no. and that's still a huge question mark but this Kyrie injury is just it's puzzling. Like he said yeah. the other day he said he couldn't even lift his arms. Like yeah. to, it hurt to lift his arms. That's concerning. You know what most of basketball is? <laughs> Lifting your arms. Because shooting and what's the one thing Kyrie really likes to do? Shoot. Shoot. Um but yeah, like it's just these type of things and you're like, okay, you know, could Karis and Dinwiddie carry his team a bit, but Karis has been out. He's finally just come back after being out for multiple weeks. Like Dinwiddie can only do so much with him, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and a and nothing else. Truly. Like, let's let's be real, Torian Prince is not a particularly good player. He's not a good player on a winning team. Like, there there's just dudes like that in the NBA. And the Nets seem to have all of them. Like dudes that like in a vacuum, look amazing. But, like, they're just not a part of a winning team. They never have been. And at this point, they're not going to be. Still might make the playoffs, though, because the East. But what does that mean for, for the Nets? You're just going to get bounced in the first round. Yeah. Like, you're just going to get... Like, Kyrie's going to come come play in the playoffs. And he's going to try to guard Giannis for whatever... <laughs> whatever thought has gone through his mind that he can guard Giannis is the most hilarious thing to me. The Illuminati told him so. Jeez. But like the flat earthers <laughs> spoke it into existence. Um so like I just I don't get what they're trying to accomplish. Like they they of course want to be competitive. But like y- you know, I guess it's like they they almost can't bottom out cuz the best the bottom of the east is so bad. Like the Washingtons and the Knicks and, and the Atlantas of the world. Um but like I, I just don't quite see it with this team. Like, I know Kenny Atkinson was able to do, like, some just amazing stuff with what they had last year, and it, and it truly was. But whether it's because of injuries or guys not buying in, some new some new pieces, like, or or maybe, like, he he's taken a step back and, like, his ability to manage all of it again this year, the New York media in combination with the Kyries and everything, like, just not able to get the team to produce the way they were able to last year. Yeah, I mean, like... It- Kyrie's a tough person to manage, and that's not been a secret, right? Yeah. And I I don't know what the culture is around the Nets. I hope it hasn't changed. Like, I hope the best for Kyrie. He's an awesome player to watch. But Speak like, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> At least I don't have that bitterness towards Russell Westbrook. Oh, wait. Maybe give me a couple years <laughs> and I will be. Uh, I just... I think, I mean, the NBA is going to be better with Kevin Durant and Kyrie playing. I just don't know at what level they'll play. Yeah, we, we truly don't know what level they're going to come back at from their injuries, let alone how's it going to look on a basketball court together. Yeah. Like, so. are they just going to hate each other? Like, is that going to be like the, you see the couple in line at the grocery store who's just yelling at each other for no reason? I was thinking of like high school friends that like go off to college together to be roommates and then like they hate each other at the end of that first year because like well, this was awful <laughs> this was this was the worst like i thought you were my friend and you turns out like you you're a slob <laughs> who like doesn't respect my stuff and like won't get all the way and there's a there's a sock on the door every time i come back like i i, I don't know what to do <laughs> 
you just get a text at like 9.30 like, hey, don't come back to the room. And it's like, what are we doing? And you're like, I just want to go to bed. Like, I literally have a so test tomorrow up. at 9 a.m. And you're pulling this crap. And you're just so fed up with it, right? And like, but like, there's nothing you can do to get out of it until like, just like a literal, literal certain point in time where you actually can. Then like, that's what it almost feels like. Like, they have to get through this year. They probably have to play together next year. But then there's a trade deadline season that opens up, <laughs> and it's like, all right, here we go. Let's get out of here. Can we, like, can we get a betting line open for who wants to get traded first? Who who leaks it to the media first that they want to be traded? I would put all, all my money and savings on Kevin Durant. <laughs> From his burner? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Kevin Durant doesn't want to play here. From at Kevin Durant, 35. <laughs> Kenneth Durant <laughs> tweets it out. Devin <laughs> Devin Curran. Um, that that'd be so just hilarious. But like, it's the fact that though, like, this isn't a completely outlandish thought though, is probably the most concerning thing. Like yeah. the fact that there is some hint of truth in all this is like just bonkers. Again, panic button team. It's just <laughs> yes. It's time to hit the panic button. Last panic button team, a little less fun to talk about, but still fun to make fun of. The Chicago Bulls at 13 and 24. Yeah, um, they exist. My my note on here is, can the leadership council come back? Jesus. Um, (laughs) I mean, they're they're just a disaster. Like, we all said it at the time. Like, the Jim Bowen thing, that didn't work. Then they extended him, and we're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I, what are I, you doing? I think that was, uh, we caught that reaction live on air when I was like, interim coach Jim Boylan. And you're like, no, it's not interim. <laughs> it's a full time head coach. Okay. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, right? That's um, the, yeah. The worst hire, like in the last five years of the NBA. Possibly. It, yeah, it's definitely right up there. And it's like, with no salary cap relief coming, like no real chance at like becoming better. Like this team just kind of is what it is unless they trade something. And again, in in theory, like I like Thaddeus Young. I, I like Tomas Sadaransky. You brought in a couple nice veterans like that. Your draft hasn't been terrible with like Kobe White, Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter, but like the pieces with Porter and Levine, like it's just not working. Like, it's like in a vacuum, each of these things, signings, draft picks, whatever, we're like, okay, but put all together and you have just dumpster fire. Yeah, it just feels like this team, like, has no, like, they, like, I just don't know what to do with this team. Like, it feels like they should be better than they are. They're sub 500 in, I mean, they're 7 and 13 at home, 6 and 11 on the road. Like, mm-hmm. they're, it's just a mess. Like, they're barely scoring over 100 points per game. Which is ridiculous in today's NBA. Which with is, the personnel you have, too. Which is stupid. And, like, Wendell, it feels like Wendell Carter, who has really played, had a nice rookie season, has not taken a step this season. I truly believe it's the way they use him. I truly do. And, like, Laurie Markkinen, like, it just kind of feels like it's time for him to do something or not. Yeah, that, and like that's, that's not concerning. looking as good as it did two years ago. Like, and Zach Levine is, I guess, getting points, which is cool. Like, whatever, but he's not doing anything defensively. Like, he's not good defensively still. No, and the, I'm, 
for a minute, I took back my Zach Levine bit, and I take Res- back my take back. You rescind your take back. Yes, I do. Uh, and like this, like it feels like this team should should honestly be better. Like it sh- feels like they should be in. They, they definitely should be. It feels like they should be in that Portland range. Plus, like a couple games, so like seventeen and whatever. Like they, they should, should be at in least the seventeen win yeah. win range to me. Yeah, there's no reason like the Hornets should be like to me significantly better than them. The Hornets were supposed to be the worst team in the NBA this yeah. year. The fact that like the Pistons are having this season they're having, and they have the same record as you. The Wizards are like the same record. They're like one game behind it or a half game behind at time of this recording. Like they they shouldn't be in the same conversation as you. Like Cleveland's in the same conversation as you. New York at ten and twenty six is in the same conversation as you. Jesus. Like you're in that category of the East. Like yeah, the top of it, but you're in that category. You're not even in the bad teams. You're like in the like so like so mediocre, so bad, like tanking team conversation. Like I just what they've had like the seventh or eighth pick like what two or three years in a row now. Yeah, and it just feels like they should be they should be significantly ahead of where they are in this rebuild, and it feels like they're just like they're back at where they were a couple years ago. Like, with a whole bunch of questions. They and, literally have wasted the last two years. And no answers. They, they truly have. Between Carter not getting better, Markin not getting any better. Like, yeah, not really figuring out their guard situation. Not figuring out their wing situation. And the head coaching, like, just debacle that they've had. Like, they've... I think that's the best way of putting it for the Bulls. They have wasted two to possibly three straight years. If not longer. But two to three years uh, of basketball in Illinois. It's sad because this, I mean, like, it's such a proud team. Yeah. Right. Like it should be better. Like this is, should be one of the best like organizations in in the league. And they're just like, not. And like Fred Hoiberg, it felt like they should have just held on to him. I would like, say this, this point, would be a team that Fred Hoiberg would love to have. Like all offense, no defense, it's fine. I I don't know what to do with Chicago. I think they have more hope than Detroit, though. At least they have young guys. I think they do have more hope than Detroit. I'm not gonna use that as like a prop up for the Bulls, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's true. That like they're. I guess you can't really use Detroit as a measuring stick. It's like <laughs> using new, the Knicks as a measuring stick. It just doesn't hold any weight whatsoever. I I don't know what to do with Chicago. Like they literally just need to go away. Find it find a head coach, find like find like at least with Atlanta. They're the have the worst record in the NBA right now. They have a front office and a head coach who are all on the same page. Like yeah. they're going to play this way where we are this type of team. Win, lose, whatever. We are yeah. this type of team. Chicago doesn't have that. No, they what, don't. What are they? Like, seriously, what is this team? Like, nothing. I, it's that's nothing. The, I, literally, I literally don't know. I literally don't know. Yeah. And, like, it's the most disappointing thing, I think, as, like, a former former Michael Jordan fan, for, former Chicago Bull fan, like, this, it's just, like, disappointing. It's disheartening yeah. to see this franchise just be irrelevant. Yeah. And, like, they had so much promise at the beginning of this past decade with Derrick Rose and all those young guys. And, like, they just squandered a whole bunch of it. 
Yeah, and of course, like you had the like the knee situations there. Sure, but but then you had Jimmy Butler. But that's not an excuse, yeah, because then you had Butler and you had a chance to build that, and you turned him into like Laurie Markin and, and Chris Dunn. <laughs> it has not worked. Uh, all right, I th- this panic button podcast has really gotten me. Just worked out. It's like eight thirty. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go to sleep now. <laughs> I'm just gonna be tossing and turning, thinking about yeah. how bad Detroit and Chicago are. <laughs> Be analyzing Zach Levine's shot selection. Oh, jeez. You're going to make me watch a Chicago game, aren't you? No. I wouldn't uh, that do that too. might be our challenge, is like to catch a Detroit-Chicago game. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, someone's going to have to pay make, me to do that. <laughs> see who can make it the longest in that game. See how many Zach Levine long twos we can make it through before we're just like, all right, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Thanks. Anything else you want to add, Matt, before we wrap this episode 60 up? Portland got to go win tonight against toronto on a <gasps> carmelo pull-up game winner <laughs> oh my god um so let's let's bump them up a win 16 and 22 good for them they're still irrelevant but good for them there you go well that's been enough for us guys thank you for listening to our second episode of 2020 there you go second episode of the decade on our way to many, many more. Episode 60. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I didn't mention it at the top of the show, but I want to mention it now. Remember, follow us on our social media, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and if you haven't, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Um, and we'd greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much, and we'll see you back for episode 61. Yeah.